So we're going to get into, I just have two verses to cover with you today in the introductory talk. And it's found 1 Peter and verses 1 and 2. Let's go there. 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And that's where I'd like to start. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is why First Peter was written. For grace and peace to be multiplied to you. And as we go through the book, there'll be many challenges that we have along the way. Depending upon how long you've been a Christian, depending on how much you are familiar with the Bible, depending on where you're at even in your faith, or what you think about how life should work and right from wrong and those types of things. Sometimes we can get bothered by what we read in the Bible, and we can get distracted by those things. I would like to encourage us that as we read through this book, as we preach through it, as we listen through it, that the point of it is for grace and peace to be multiplied to every one of us. And I don't know about you, but I am someone who would like more grace and peace in my life. When, as we saw in the explainer video, when we make following Jesus the top priority in our lives, Jesus said that his burden is light. But he also said that difficult times come with that burden. And I know for me that on a daily basis, I need grace and peace multiplied to me. Now, this is a normal greeting at this time and place in history, but it has a deeper theological sense when it comes to how it's used in the Bible. Grace is God's powerful love enabling us to be the people that he's called us to be in the here and now. Did you hear that? Grace is the powerful love of God that enables us to be the type of people God calls us to be in the here and now. So it's favor, it's love, yes. Another shorthand way that it seems the Apostle Paul uses the phrase grace is this is the Spirit of Christ, the presence of Christ in our midst, the grace of God. When we think of peace, probably first comes to mind is the absence of war, the absence of conflict. But peace in the biblical sense means everything as it should be. Shalom. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this peace as well, that the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that can guard our hearts and minds. These are the things that Peter wants multiplied to us in writing this letter to the original recipients, but how we can gain from it today 
in the year 2022. So I, I say for myself, I say for my fellow preachers, I say for our church family as we work through this, let's keep this at the heart and soul of, of this book. It's about grace and peace being multiplied. That's the goal. So who is this book written to? To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, and so forth. We have a little map here. Let's bring up our map. We have a fantastic map. My goodness. These are the... Oh, there's uh, something. Okay, we're good. Anyway, um, so this is the area that Peter is writing to. How did the gospel get to this area? Well, there's a few different ways. Acts chapter 2, that original day when the pilgrims are meeting in Jerusalem, the Spirit fell on them, and they all went back, or many went back to their, their hometowns. And this is a part of where that, where Christians, um, Christianity grew from those efforts and from those people. Also, we know different times in history where there was movement of Christian believers, Jewish believers, Jewish people into these areas for political reasons. And so God is at work and spreading the good news and his people through the sometimes what seems like chaotic and disruptive happenings in the real world. This is one of the ways that the gospel spreads and multiplies and grows. Now, the list of these places, all of these ended up to be Roman colonies. Um, we also have, uh, have you heard of Priscilla and Aquila? In the book of Acts, Aquila is actually from Pontus. And so there's another connection uh, with that region as well. So what's going on here? The, today's big idea is always be ready no matter where you are because of who you are in Christ. Let's take a look at the where we are. The list of names of these areas could easily, and I think this is one way that we bring it into our lives, is we think of where we are today. You know, for me, I may even think of my own brief history as an adult. You know, that I might look at the regions of northwestern Ontario to the, you know, the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest, which still feels a lot like Canada. I'll tell you that, how, how cold it's been. It's amazing. But I can look at that and say that God has been at work and present and with me in my life in all those different places, no matter how or why or where or when I got there, that God was at work in my life with me and calling me to be faithful to him and to be his witness. So maybe just take a mental, take a note, take a time to make a mental note of where your life has taken you, all the different turns, and maybe it's geographical, maybe it's vocational, maybe it's relationships, whatever it is, take that time and just like in your mind, think like, hey, that's me. I've been there and there and this place and that place, and God has been with me um, in each of those places. Now, the shorthand that Peter refers to these people in is this. To those who are elect exiles. Elect exiles. 
And these, these are the two words that open up the rest of the book for how Peter is multiplying grace and peace to his readers. Is that he's referring them, referring to them as elect exiles. And this is actually a very high, or they are terms of honor when we think about them through the story of the whole Bible. How is that? Well, I'd like to begin by just going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 8 says this. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. It is be, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is one example of many from the Old Testament where God's people, Israel, are referred to as the chosen the chosen ones, the elect. And I don't know how familiar you are with the concept of it when it comes to being elect, election and Christian theology and how all that works. But in its more most core sense of the meaning, the idea of being chosen has to do, like this scripture in Deuteronomy shows us, that God chooses a people amidst all the peoples of the whole earth to bring about his rescue and redemption of all the other peoples in the world. Now, sometimes as Christians, we talk a little funny. It's like, why are you saying peoples and not people? Like all the peoples of the, the people of the... When we talk, obviously, people and peoples, we're talking about groups of people. You know? Peoples. People. And so Israel, the descendants of Abraham, were the people that God chose and said, I'm going to use you, not because of any greatness of your own, but because I've chosen you to reach all the other people, groups of people, the peoples in the world, the nations. And so this connection of what it means to be chosen really has a, the real idea of a calling, a purpose, a mission that's not just individual, but that we are a part of together. And in a very small way, we celebrate that and practice that as Bethany Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. But it is much bigger than that, that we are called together to be the people that are on mission for the God who created this world, who called Abraham, chose Israel, who is the son of the faithful Israelite, Jesus Christ, 
who called 12 disciples to follow him in a symbolic gesture, who died and rose again and commissioned those very disciples to go into all the world as apostles far beyond the boundaries of the land of Israel, but now through the whole world. That's what it means to be elect. That's what it means to be chosen. Always be ready. Why? Because we are chosen by God to be on mission for him with everything we have, wherever we are. And that's the encouragement that Peter is giving these Christians. And from what we can tell, it seems like many were Gentile, some were Jewish. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul over and over again talks about that, how in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile anymore. That in Christ, the separation has been broken down, and now peace has been established between those peoples, the Jew and the Gentile. And that now we have a calling in Christ. And so, just as Israel, that name started out as one person's name, that guy named Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, and Israel becomes a name for the whole group, the same way with Christ. The Apostle Paul uses that term name Christ as not just the person Jesus, but the people of Jesus Christ, the people of God, defined by faith in Jesus Christ. Peter is encouraging the, encouraging the recipients of this letter that this is who you are. This is the mission that you're on. Wow, grace and peace be multiplied to you because that's a lot. That's the biggest calling, the greatest calling you can ever have um, in existence. I'll give you one other example. Um, Isaiah 44, verse 1. Isaiah 44, verse 1. I don't know if we have that one or not. Yes, uh, but hero now, O oh, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. See that? It has like the individual name Jacob and then the name Israel, whom I have chosen. Starts with a singular person, but that singular person represents the entire people. And Isaiah 41, verse 8. This is where we see an awesome connection. But you, Israel... My servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. See how that just puts the Old Testament in a nutshell? That's who was chosen. That's who was called. And now Peter is saying, you Christians spread out all over the place. That's who you are. You have your own mission. Always be ready. The next half of that to those who are elect exiles. Exile is another one of those themes that goes right along with being elect throughout the whole Bible. And it basically means you're not at home yet. You're displaced. You're not. Where you are presently is not your final destination. And I think we've talked a lot about this as Bethany Church, at least in the, in the year and a half that I've been here on staff, I've heard it said multiple times that the end of where we're headed 
is not a disembodied heavenly experience on clouds with angels and blue sky and harps. I mean, that sounds great for a weekend, (laughs) but forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, that sounds kind of boring. Instead, the Bible presents this picture that where we are headed is actually, in a sense, right where we are. Only heaven and earth unite as the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And so in Romans chapter 8, that this creation, all the groaning and suffering and everything that we, we go through in this world, the, the tough things, it's, you get right down to the center of it, and what's going on? It's the Holy Spirit groaning to give birth to what this creation one day will be. When you and I are raised and made immortal and everything is made new. So where are we exiled from? Well, it's kind of an example would be Israel during the time of Jesus, they were back in their land. Remember they had been kicked out of their land by or taken captive out of the land by the Babylonians and then they had been brought back. So was their exile over? Well, yes, geographically, but no when it came to their experience because God wasn't solely ruling Israel at that time. There was always a different Babylon. There was always a different power that did not revere God as king that ruled over them. So see if you can follow me with this. Jesus talking to the people of Israel when he was walking on the land of Israel, he's talking to people that are exiled but in their own home land, the promised land, because of who rules it, who's ruling it and governing it at the time. This is a wonderful picture, a microcosm of our experience for the whole world. And it's this. We too are exiles in our own home. This is God's good creation. And it's not the way it's always going to remain. And it's not being ruled by people who acknowledge God's kingship in the world. It's not that in the least. But we, as Christians, as communities, as individual people, and as the capital C church in the world, we are called now that even before Christ returns and makes all things new, that we are called to be people, communities, the body of Christ that shows the world this is what things could look like if God were in charge. So a part of our calling is being the chosen ones in exile, in our own land, meaning all of creation. I don't mean that you just get stuck with the USA for all of eternity, okay? I, I hope we get to go everywhere. You know, I don't know. Anyway, um, but when all things are made new, then we get the full experience. But for now, we are pockets here and there. Wherever we go, we are saying this is what it looks like if God were ruling, if God's kingship 
was being honored and acknowledged. This is what it would look like. And so the rest of 1 Peter goes through all of that. It shows all these different situations in life and in, the, in our relationships, in our homes, in society, where it's like, what do I do to show people what it looks like when Jesus is Lord, when God is King? And what makes it even more rough and tough is that we are not complete, right? It feels like a losing battle sometimes. At least I feel like that when I battle myself. I'm like, Chris, you're going to lose again. No, anyway, but you know how that is. You feel like I am not who one day the Bible says I'm going to be made to be. I am not complete. But this is a part of the mystery that is clearly laid out in 1 Peter is that the difficult things that we face as being God's people on mission outside of our home, of, you know, outside of the conditions of everything that it will be one day, that that does a few things. Number one, it purifies our faith. It makes us more genuine, our faith more genuine. It burns off dead wood in the struggle. I do not like the struggle, but you know what I love? The dead wood being burnt off my life. I used to refer to myself as one of God's whittling projects. You know what whittling is? Get that stick. It usually happens at, at Bible camp. But anyway, you know, you whittle and you look at the fire and you sing, it only takes a spark and those kind of things. I used to think, man, I'm God's whittling project. You know, he's just, you know, getting me in perfect shape or whatever. And then as my Christian life has gone on, I'm like, God, is there any stick left? I feel like, man, like, what is that? 99.99% of who I am is dead wood? But thank you, Lord, for those difficult things. Because I tell you what, you may think Chris Bahalchuk's a bit iffy when you meet him. I was like, that guy, yikes. I don't know about him. I mean, you'd have big concerns 10 years ago. Okay, you'd be like, I don't even want to talk to that. No. I am so thankful that I am not the person I once was. So thankful. But it's not without those difficult conditions of being chosen, being on mission, but being displaced. Also, the suffering does this. The pain, the difficulty helps us to shine brighter in our witness. How do we respond to difficult circumstances? How do we respond to those? How we respond is bearing witness to who Jesus is. So a part of 1 Peter is like this. Hey, when you're persecuted, count it as like a blessing because Jesus told you to count it as a blessing. <laughs> he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for his sake. So how do we respond to that? Like, okay, well, I, I need to not be resentful about that. I need to be true in that. Allow God to refine my faith and give him praise in the midst of all those difficult things. Now, First Peter doesn't seem like it was like a systematic, okay, we're taking all these Christians down <laughs> one by one. It wasn't one of those situations at this point, although Peter did lose his life probably about six years or so after writing this. But 
At this point, it wasn't like that. It was just more being uh, socially ostracized, scorned, slandered. And so First Peter puts a big emphasis on take care how you're living. Make sure you're above board in all your dealings and in your relationships and in your life because people are going to look for dirt on you. I saw this uh, funny meme the other day. It said this. It was like a sign up for Twitter, like to start a Twitter account. And it said this, sign up, tweet whatever you want, express your opinions, and in five to ten years, be fired from your job. You know, it, we live in a different age than these recipients of this letter, but in a very similar age is that when you name the name of Jesus, and I'm not trying to put a target on all of our backs, but when you name the name of Jesus and you're going to be faithful to him, oh my goodness, there are some people that want to destroy every sense of confidence in that and will ridicule the good that you do. But first Peter just says this. Peter says, hey, just make sure that they don't have anything on you. Because if you suffer for something people do have on you, yeah, that's kind of, that's your, that's your deal. But if you suffer for doing what's right, then you're blessed. Then your light will shine brighter in those moments. So where does this leave us? Where does this leave us? Well, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, this was always the plan. This thing that we're doing right now, God's like, oh, oh things didn't work out. I got to do something. No, what, the story that we find ourselves in is, has always been God's plan to rescue his creation through his son, Jesus Christ. In the sanctification of the spirit, Meaning, how are we set free and set apart in all this? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, not ourselves and our own strength. It's the living presence of God in our lives, himself being that refiner's fire that burns off our dead wood as we face every situation in life. For obedience to Jesus Christ, that's sums up the mission. Obedience to Jesus Christ. When I think obedience to Jesus Christ, I just quickly think this. Matthew chapter 5 through verse chapter 7, and I think Matthew chapter 28, Great Commission. Sermon on the Mount, Great Commission, great places to start. Obeying Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood and that we are only worthy of this calling because of the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for both you and me. That's why we can be a part of this thing. So in closing, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. I'd like to welcome the worship team up to the front. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. As we get ready to sing our, our final worship song, Let's come before our Heavenly Father. Let's come in faith to His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And let's ask Him, Father, Father, what do you want to do in my life?
through this series. Lord, I want to open up my mind, my heart, give you my life once again, that my mind would be renewed and my life transformed through the book of the Bible that we know is 1 Peter. Pray that. Let's set ourselves up for nine more weeks of God's work in our life through this book of the Bible. Let's worship together. Let's stand together. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your word into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages. sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. Declare the grave.
has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Began to out of the silence. Declare the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, our living hope. God, you are my living Father, we ask that you'd help us come into the reality of the kingdom of God, that we are yours, set apart to reveal you to the world. Help us come into your reality, God. Help us walk out the love, the compassion, the grace that you've given us, God. Open our eyes to see who we are in you, God. Open our eyes to see and understand what you've done, what you've accomplished on the cross. Help us live fully alive and completely fruitful for your kingdom in the days ahead, God. Give us grace in the moment by moment, the power to love, the power to have your mercy in situations and to to truly um, reflect your glory on this earth. Oh God, we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Father God, as we leave this place, we pray that you would help us to uh, live in your hope, to become more articulate in how we share our faith, to always be doing that with gentleness and respect. Lord, and help us to live lives uh, of a clean conscience before you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We ask for your help as we repent and as we uh, go along the way, Lord seeking to obey you as our Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Have a great rest of your Sunday. God bless you.